How's it going guys? Miguel here from CFS Recovery. In this video, I'm going to be talking about how to handle stress if you have CFS or chronic fatigue syndrome or any hypersensitive nervous system disorder. Now, when it comes to stress, if you have CFS, then your tolerance, your threshold is probably very low. And I've broken this down in a few other videos, like you can watch up here. This breaks down the stress threshold very well, but in this video, I want to break it down again a little bit in a simpler way. If you imagine your body has this threshold, this maximum level of stress that it can handle, typically the way you get CFS is you go over this stress threshold, right? And I have a diagram of this in the recovery science blueprint, which you can look at it right now. There are a lot of different ways to put stress on your nervous system, to put stimulus on your nervous system. There could be stimulants, coffees, energy drinks, relationships, finances, job stress. There are so many things that add to that bucket. And once it reaches a certain point, the whole reason you're where you are now and experiencing the symptoms you're feeling in the first place is because you've gone over your stress threshold. Now, once you develop a lot of these symptoms, it is very hard to deal with stress. Even the simplest of things might stress you out. Simple things like a doctor's appointment coming up next week or two weeks from now, that can get you in a stress state, even just thinking about it. So any kind of stressor is amplified when you have a hypersensitive nervous system disorder. There's this you know, magnifying glass effect where the way your brain perceives situations and worries and stressors, it's amplified, right? That's also in the recovery science blueprint that I've created. What you have to understand is most of the things that worry you, that stress you out, you're gonna have an irrational perception towards them. Your perspective of those stressors will be inaccurate. It will be skewed. It will be amplified because you are in a hypersensitive state. Now, there's this idea that we used to talk about when I was a personal trainer. I was a personal trainer for a few years. We dove deep into how the body responds to stressors, physical stressors, in order to actually get stronger. And there's this concept of being fragile versus anti-fragile. So let's start with the first one. What is fragile? There's a few different definitions for it, but fragile means easily broken or damaged or not strong or sturdy, delicate and vulnerable. So that's like your nervous system right now. It's very delicate. Any small stressors, it's gonna make it get triggered, cause you to have a bunch of symptoms. Now, anti-fragile is the opposite. Anti-fragile means you actually get stronger under stress. Now, I want you to think about this analogy. Imagine you're swimming. In the ocean in order to feel normal again that's equivalent to you trying to get out of the water and onto a boat most people just try to get out of this illness they try to get out of it as soon as they can they just want to get to the dry land onto the boat out of the water but what they don't realize is that there are weights attached to them that are keeping them in the water there are anchors and sometimes it's more than just one anchor there can be dozens if not hundreds of anchors and those anchors are the negative thoughts and beliefs and the worries you have in your mind this is one of the very first exercises we do in Recovery Jumpstart. It's identifying the negative thinking patterns that you have about your illness or your situation in general. These are emotional strains on your nervous system that you don't necessarily recognize. We always think that when it comes to letting our body rest or taking stress off the body, we think it's physical, right? So a lot of people, they can pull back on all physical activity, but for the most part, there are many people who, even when pulling back on physical activity, when they're stuck in bed doing nothing physical, they actually continue to stay the same or get worse. And it's because their mental and emotional state has not been cleared, has not been fixed up yet. There's still a lot of stress going on in those buckets. So if we think about the body 
it has different buckets of stress. On the one hand, we have something like physical stress. On the other hand, we have mental stress, which is cognitive thinking, to-do lists, you have to do a bunch of stuff. And then there's emotional stress. This is where you can feel sad. You feel hopeless that you're never gonna get better. You feel angry that doctors aren't helping you. You feel frustrated that what you're doing isn't working. You feel upset that the supplements and medications that your doctors told you would help are not really helping. They're just masking everything. So there's these different buckets of stressors. And before we even try to get better, the number one thing we have to do is we have to cut those weights loose that are keeping us underwater. It makes the swimming so much harder. It's, it makes keeping your head above water, pretty much like in this illness, if you imagine you're swimming in water, you wanna get out of the water. But the thing that keeps you pinned down is all these stressors. And even though your physical stress bucket can be very low because you're not doing many activities, these other buckets are likely very high and they're likely full 24 seven. You just don't realize it. It's these automatic beliefs that your brain runs. It's the questions you have about every symptom. Is that a heart attack? Does this mean I have early onset of Parkinson's because I'm vibrating so much? Are my lungs just gonna shut down because I have shortness of breath? Am I getting a stroke? because I have all this brain fog and I can't think straight and I have this weird memory loss and I have slurred speech and I forget what I'm saying when I'm talking to someone halfway through a sentence. All these things can lead to lots of mental and emotional stress. So we need to clear those areas, not completely, but we need to work on lowering them if we want to start getting better and start being able to handle more stress. We need to deal with a stress that is usually not dealt with and that's typically our thoughts and our emotions about the symptoms, about our situation, about our illness. And it totally makes sense. I was in the same place too. I was living with my grandparents for eight months, completely bedridden. My grandma was bringing food to me every single day, bringing me water. I went to the washroom once, maybe twice a day. Even though I was resting physically, I continued to feel about the same, if not worse, with the smallest of things. And it's because my fear was so high about doing anything because I was terrified of symptoms, absolutely terrified. I was even afraid of my own heartbeat at one point because of all the panic attacks I had. I would just fear any palpitation or when my heart got up to a certain level, I could feel it pounding in my chest. That would give me anxiety because I felt like my heart was going to explode. So all these stressors just kept that loop going and I could not handle stress. But that's because I had all, that, all these other stressors going on in the background that I didn't realize were running. So I want you to think of stress on your nervous system as just stimulus, any kind of stimulus on your nervous system. When people think of stress, they think about it in, in a bad way, but all it is, is it's stimulus on the nervous system. That's what I'm referring to. Here's another analogy I want you to think of. Imagine someone wants to go to the gym and they wanna gain 10 pounds of muscle. The only way to do that is to actually exercise, work out, tear down the muscle fibers, and in doing so, your body gets sore while it's in the repair phase while it's rebuilding the muscle fibers over the old muscle fibers. That's how you gain muscle. You actually tear down the body first by putting it under stress, by putting it under stimulus, and it rebuilds stronger. So similar to your muscles, there is no way for you to gain 10 pounds of muscle without ever feeling sore. It just doesn't work like that. Your body needs something to adapt to, and that's the adaptation phase. When I was in personal training, we used to call this the SED principle, specific adaptation to impose demand your body will adapt to the stimulus that's placed on it if the stimulus is placed in the right amounts. What would happen if you overdo it in the gym? Let's say it's your first few times working out and you do the curls, you press the weights, you lift them up, but you overdo it. What happens? Think about it. You run the risk of injuring yourself if you overdo it. 
you injuring yourself is essentially your body giving out and saying, we, we can't do that. And physically, you strain a muscle and you tear something, something comes out of place and it's not good and you injure your muscles. Well, with the nervous system, it's very similar. It's similar principles because in order to actually recover, in order to be able to go from where you are now to where you want to go, it's not just going to happen overnight. You need to train your way to get there. You need to train up to it. You need to start very small, right? It starts in small increments. You put a little bit of stimulus on the nervous system, you will get symptoms, right? Just like how your muscles feel soreness, your nervous system feels symptoms and you need to handle those symptoms properly. If you start to worry about those symptoms or stress about them or fear them, then you only add extra stress to the nervous system. And if you add enough stress to the nervous system and it's commonly known as a crash or a really bad adjustment period, that's when your symptoms flare up to the point of severe discomfort. But all it is, it's stimulus on the nervous system, right? It's feedback from your body. So what you want to do is add just enough stimulus on your nervous system. You will feel the symptoms. It's impossible to recover without feeling the symptoms. And then you have to handle those properly. And little by little, you continue doing that. It's almost like exposure therapy. You're exposing your nervous system to these new levels of stress little by little. And over time, it gets stronger to the point where it can handle stress. This is how I went from not being able to sit up out of bed in the hospital and I'm not kidding when I tell you this, I could barely move in the hospital. And it was so bad that they had to inject me with blood thinners because they didn't want me to get a blood clot. That's how much I wasn't moving. So when I say that I was at rock bottom, not moving at all, I really mean it. I was not moving. I could move my head a little bit. That's about it. Could not roll over because it would cause extreme pain and discomfort. So I went from that level of sensitivity, not being able to do any of that stuff, to three years later, I was running 10 kilometers, exercising, boxing, traveling, hanging out with friends, having a beer every now and then. So to be able to go from where I was to running 10 kilometers a week, I'm proof that these concepts work. But you have to do it little by little. The biggest thing is staying cool, calm, collected when those symptoms come. Because a lot of people try to avoid symptoms at all costs, and that's just going to that's just going to ruin them. And that's going to make, that's going to guarantee that you don't get better if you avoid symptoms at all costs. You do get to a point in recovery where you're able to do normal things and your body actually becomes anti-fragile versus fragile. And that's the whole idea of being anti-fragile versus fragile. Right now, you're probably more in a fragile state. As you get better in recovery, if you think of a scale, we have fragile over here, anti-fragile over here. You move from this spectrum of the scale all the way down to this anti-fragile spectrum to the point where well, you could take it as far as you want to, as long as you don't overdo it and overstrain yourself and put so much stress on your body that it forces itself to flare up with symptoms. So once you start cutting these stressors loose, back to that analogy of you swimming in the water, once you start cutting them loose, you're able to actually start moving forward in recovery and it makes it a lot easier to move forward once you cut this dead weight loose, the dead weight as in the negative thoughts, the thinking patterns that you have. Sure, you can have those weights attached to your legs and ankles and you can still swim. It's just gonna be a hundred times harder than if you cut them loose, you'd be able to swim much faster, much farther, and you actually give yourself a fighting chance to get out of this. But without cutting that dead weight loose, it's gonna be very difficult, if not nearly impossible to recover. I've never seen anybody recover without dealing with those issues first. And I know, you know people in the comments on YouTube say, oh, I tried thinking positive. It doesn't work. I tried this brain training. It doesn't work. You have to sit down or lie down and go through 
all these thinking patterns in your head in order to be able to free up some space in your brain to actually handle stress. Because right now it's so occupied dealing with all these mental and emotional stressors. It doesn't have any more space to handle extra stressors. So the people in the program, when they do this exercise, there are people who find 70 things, 100 things, 200 negative thoughts that run a loop that they didn't even realize what's going on. You need to identify them individually because that way you're actually aware when they show up and then that's when you can start swatting them away. And that in itself is brain training, which is a whole nother video, which you can find right up here. But that's all I wanted to share today. As you get better in recovery, as you work on cutting away those dead weight stressors, you start to feel better, you start to improve, and you start to shift from a fragile state all the way over here to an anti-fragile state. Now, if you got some value out of this video, comment down below. What are the biggest takeaways you've learned from this? I read through every single comment. It's always fascinating to see where you guys are from and how what I share on this channel ties into your actual situations that you're going through. And I do this to help you guys. So it's always great engaging with people in the comments, hearing about your guys' situations, where you're from, what's working, maybe what you're having trouble with. And I always reply to all of the YouTube comments. Make sure to like this video, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell. And if you did want some extra help on your recovery journey, you can book a strategy call for the Recovery Jumpstart program. We can see if you're a good fit for it. You get to talk to someone like myself. You get help from other people in the program who are a few steps ahead of you. And we pretty much give you the roadmap to follow that will exponentially increase the odds of success in recovery and just accelerate your progress. So that way you can get back to living the life you wanna live. Always remember that you are a thriver and you are just one mind shift away from living a life with thriving health. I'll see you in the next video.